This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I am Nathan. And I'm Bob. And we really appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us because uh, we had a, a week off. You know, it's rare that we we take a week off, but uh, I had to move uh, to a different location. So this is the first podcast where we're not in the same room, although we are awkwardly staring at each other across a computer screen. So we have strangely. Um, <laughs> so we just wanted to get started by um, thanking some of our new patrons. And uh, we had a bunch uh, in April sign on. So uh, we want to thank Justin Jones. Uh, we want to thank Mark Johnson. We want to thank uh, Celtic Wizard, Josie Sino, Lacey Anglin, Coupland Rocks, Robert Ruggles, and Juiced Vervort. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I don't know if I did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let us know um, if we pronounce that incorrectly or correctly. But thank you guys for supporting us and, and uh, joining us on Patreon. And telling us that you enjoy what we do. And uh, we have some question. We have a question, some question that I wanted to go over. We were talking about a little bit before the podcast because I, you know, I wasn't really sure what the answer was. And I guess um, talking to Bob, it really depends on your perspective. And I like his. So I'll just read the message here and then we can kind of go into this. Messages, gentlemen, I love the show. Please keep up the good work. I also love when you two go off on a rant about the game. We are tending to, <laughs> to rant. I'm wondering about a character and if she is canon or not. The character in question is Madeline uh, Giovanni. I know she appeared in two novel trilogies, but every game book known doesn't mention her at all. My question is twofold. Is she actually a canon character? And if not, why is she not? Thanks, Charlie. P.S. I love hearing about the games you run. I'm currently running a second ed first time story with my 17 year old son. I know it's small, but it's a ton of fun. I'm so glad I found your show and your passion for the game helped make me uh, help me make this campaign happen. So uh, thank you, Charlie. Definitely appreciate your comment. And uh, I know you sent this a while ago. It's just been a while in in our mix up in our in our shakeup rather. Um, it's been a while since we've been able to sit down and like go over questions and stuff like that. So I'm gonna hand it off to you, Bob, because you had an interesting perspective on this character, or at least these books these early runs of novels well what i'm gonna do real quick because i have some metrics here uh that madeline giovanni is introduced in uh the mask of the red death trilogy uh through a it's a three-part novel series that they that white wolf uh released uh back in uh april 21st 1995 so i was still in high school to put in perspective yeah these are these are uh, early right they're they're old they're old books and uh, uh the thing is robert weinberg wrote these books but i think they were it's, it has to be based on the world of darkness, of course, but it is not canon. That's my argument. I haven't seen anywhere where Madeline Giovanni was in a book or even referenced in a book or the, or the main character, Dyer McCann. Now, to give some background in this book, and spoiler, no, yeah, it's, it's not. It's 1995. <laughs> I think we're well past that. <laughs> I'm almost positive the main character's name is Dyer McCann, and he seems to be just a, a gumshoe. Just an investigator who's actually hired by the prince of a city, some powerful monkey muck prince who wants him to go and investigate a series of strange events that are going on because he has a reputation for being able to handle high level events easily. Well, I'm going to ruin it for you real quick. That's because this guy is actually an ancient Methuselah who split himself into nine different people. 
You with me so far? I'm not with you, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> right. That's that, why it's not canon, right? It, right. To me, like, because where's that character who's more prolific right. and, and, in the novel itself? And I can say, like, um, just to piggyback off what you're talking about, like, I've I've never seen this character in any book, but I've also never seen, the only places I've ever seen these, a lot of these characters mentioned are like in the genealogies. And there's no, there's no declarative force who's like, yes, this character is canon. Essentially, my opinion is if you want it to be canon, i.e. if you want to use it in your game, go for it. There you go. And, and, and if, if you can't find stats for the character somewhere, you could argue that's not a canon character. That's just a character that's referenced in a novel. Or look at it this way. The character referenced the novel was inspired by World of Darkness and inspired you. You like the character. Create the stats from Madeline Giovanni. You already know how she acts, how she behaves, and what she's about. You read about her in a novel. So it's perfect. You got all the hard part out of the way. The easy part is slapping stats to it right. and calling it a day. But I got to highlight this. When you, whenever you're reading material and you're wondering, is it canon? Really, it's simple. If you look up to all the novels they had later on, that they actually launched to portray their world of darkness. That's when you got your Beckett, you got your Anatole, Lucida, Theo Bell. These these are all canon characters because they're used cross most of their product line right. at that point. And they're also released in conjunction with the actual release of the books, of the game books. They're, they were released alongside them. So it wasn't as if they were sort of released in addition to or licensed to. They were released by White Wolf at the time the game books were released. Now, here's a question for you. What about like the Bruja trilogy, the Lissambra trilogies? Like, wh- what about those books? Those books still have canon characters mentioned in them that carry them. And it tells right. you that they just focus on them. Right. Because like Theo Bell had his run where it was like the Puppet Master series where it's talking about the Inner Council and his, his fight and violence with them and what he did with that. But it was still a novel. Right. It was a canon character influenced novel, which means did the events happen? Did they not happen? Let's 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 cut to the quick. When you're writing a novel, you're they actually are generating interest into their product. Right. However, that author sees fit. Right. So even back to the Mask of the Red Death series, uh, he took great liberties in describing powers that just weren't defined yet. If you think back in '95, there were cre- there were level tens for disciplines that were still in creation, that were still out there. Like Obten was blocking out the sun. I mean ridiculous things so when he that author had to see that power level he had to go a guy splitting into nine different people running around you know whatever kind of like an x-man really (laughs) you know sure that's doable when when there's a methuselah the bane of vampires is fire but when you read about the red death he like basically drips lava right (laughs) what you know what I mean? And it's like, if you read that now, if anybody listen reads that now, you're going to be like, this guy probably authored the Chaos Factor. <laughs> you're just, just going to go into that. But uh, the fact is, it was a different time. They were all about generating interest into what White Wolf can do. Right. And that's and that's why I believe in my heart that it's not canon. We can't say for sure why or why not. We are not White Wolf. Right, exactly. And, and that's, I think, fundamentally, that's the point, is one thing to remember, and I'm sure most of you understand this, but the takeaway for all of this is there isn't a right or wrong answer to this question. The right, right or wrong answer is dependent on your game. I mean, the 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 story, the quote-unquote canon, and we use this term a lot, the canon in this game is it's not like Star Wars, right? It's not like there's an established like hierarchy and and history that one guy or one group of people established. There kind of is, but also there's a bunch of other stuff that's been licensed and and 
you know, you can look at a, 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 the, these novels, these older novels and the comic books and things like that. You could look at them as like your extended universe if you wanted For to, sure. but it's, it's, it's different because it's not like millions of people are sitting down and watching one game of vampire, the masquerade. It's, it's a system. So you can explore to your heart's content. You can do the work as much or as little as you want. If you want to add those characters, add them in. If you want to disregard those characters, disregard them. That's uh, There's no right or wrong answer there. So I say, yeah, it's a canon character if you want it to be. No, it's not if you don't want it to be. I agree. So uh, agree. moving I- on to uh, books that are to be reviewed. <laughs> uh, today we're doing Blood Sacrifice, the Thaumaturgy Companion. and Not uh, to be confused with the other Thaumaturgy book that we reviewed that Bob read this week. Right. In addition to. Right. Well, and it's, it's <laughs> interestingly enough, it, it's, it's something that I think bears a statement because not only do we get confused when we have to review these books, but like I've been confused a number of times on just the bookshelf. Like what book which which thaumaturgy book do I need? Like, you know, <laughs> and it happens. So so what we mean is we did a couple of weeks back, a few weeks back, we did Blood Magic Secrets of Thaumaturgy. And this book that we're reviewing today is kind of the supplemental book to that. This is Blood Sacrifice, the Thaumaturgy Companion. So to me, it's like a lot of the stuff that we couldn't fit in the first book, we had to make a second book for it is. I mean, there's no, I don't even need to talk about that. We just <laughs> right. get into it. Right. I mean, that's, it is what it is. And, and I feel like in a lot of ways, this book, um, you know, not to, not to like give away the goose at the beginning of the podcast, but I feel like in a lot of ways, this book is kind of null and void. If you're using V20, it's not as necessary if you're using V20, because this book has, I think like four different thaumaturgical paths in it. Is that, is that accurate? It is accurate, but the the highlight of it is not necessarily just the power. They use it as a vector, right? Right. This book has more powers in it. Get this book. What they're trying to do is to show you how to diversify your thaumaturgy. Right. Absolutely. Like not all thaumaturgy comes from Clan Tremere. Right. And that, that's this would be. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say that's the important takeaway from this is that this is uh, culturally different perspectives on thaumaturgy as a discipline. You know, we we often say, yeah, the Thom- the Tremere, they're they're the sole proprietors of of thaumaturgy, but we all know that's not true. You know, it's like <laughs> kind of like a tongue in cheek, wink, wink. This is to show you how it was developed differently by different cultures and how it's even used differently. There's no better way to put it. I mean, this this book is going to start off telling you a very interesting story to take on a sabat pack trying to hunt down someone in South America. And they have to go into the jungle to get this rogue Tremere. And the events that take place are are epic. And uh, just because I think to highlight the interest of this book, it's, it's going to be typical, right? Sabat Pack's running up. They see the Tremere. They're going to take the Tremere. But the description length they go to to diversify the different power usage based on a cultural perspective right. and the opening story, that's the point of this whole book. And I do it in this beginning story. Right. And those are some of my favorite things about these books is those, those stories. And I, you know, I don't want to get a little ahead, quote unquote, ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> it will describe, um, you know, different, uh, different paths, like, uh, the Duran Kai, the, um, 
the Anku, which is like the blood sorcery of the followers of Set, um, the Middle Eastern vampires that practice Durankai, the Asimite clan, um, and then the, I'm going to butcher this, but the Sadhana, um, art, uh, the magical arts of the Indian vampires, and then the Wanga, the voodoo-inspired thaumaturgy practiced by the Caribbean vampires. Um, I, if, you're, if you need a clan, and be the Serpents of the Light. Right. That's, that's the ones going to be heavy with it. Right. And then, or even, even Samedi. Right. Or the Samdi as we'll, we'll, you know, whatever, whoever, you know, uh, I, pronunciations are, are unimportant at this point. You can read it. We're pretty, we're pretty easy with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh, we're from the land where sausage is pronounced sausage. Sausage. So you're good. Got to get some kraut, some sausage. <laughs> so, um, so what's the point? Well, for instance, a breakdown of a specific chapter. We'll go with the Egyptians. Everybody's familiar with it. Uh, Egypt a bit. I'd say in everybody's life, you've been to a cool museum, seen some mummies and the history and then a bit. So you at least have a, a reference point. Um, so the easiest to discuss with that, as far as how the layout goes, they get into the actual items that go along with the culture in terms of what, what an Egyptian thaumaturgist might use. Right. Like there's a, it's not a stele, it's a stele. Uh, a stele is basically a steel monument that has a bunch of laws written all around it typically used in history a stele is actually a big chunk of stone that in it is written thaumaturgy as they throw it out here or rules or laws or whatever's there but this one references from a thaumaturgical perspective an example they give is that they might take beer uh and pour it over a beer someone drank and pour the remainder over this to cast a spell on them right and it's because their magic uses a lot of sympathetic magic goes into it uh, not as much as voodoo or wenga that uses a a ton of it that's like part of part and parcel of what it does and that's your baleful dolls and all that other stuff but they're two different cultures vastly different and they don't view things the same way right for instance at the egyptian ones they're going to view their uh a lot of ancestor spirits are involved in there but gods direct gods is what they're pulling from in their belief and that's how that works whereas you have someone uh Duranki, um they pull on jinn right jinn devils or not is a term that might be used right. to the western but it's jinn that they focus on and they deal with curses for instance they do have a god and there's a god called nergal and i'm gonna wear the tinfoil hat here a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people want to say i said this my favorite clan of all time is la sombra but i'm like a i studied the shit out of the asimites and the bali are near and dear to my heart they're they're my favorite bloodline and that's because i don't believe it's not true in my games, maybe, maybe not, but I definitely see relations between the Bali and the Asimites. And I'm going to tell you why. Duranki is the link. Right. This is, this is one of the ones that, that link it to it, because Nergal is a god they call upon. Nergal is a war god. Mesopotamia really is a war god. His wife is Erish Kegel, and I'm probably butchering that. But their very history is even unique. The more popular story being Nergal was such a vile war god, like just ill-tempered, that he, at Erish Kegel's court, threatened one of the other gods and like kind of kind of threw shade on him and eris kegel told him you know you're gonna be punished for that and he grabbed her by the throat and pulled her to the ground and threatened to cut her head off like was about to cut her head off and she instead bid him to make love to her and they did so for a week and then he left but right. apparently it was so good she begged the god of gods to have him as a as a as, as a husband it was granted and that's how nergal also got the underworld right it's an interesting tale the thing is, is that as they see it in thaumaturgy, 
Nergal and Ereshkegel work hand in hand in, in inflicting horrible body curses. Just disease. That's right. what they use. And it's interesting because disease, f- famine, plagues, this is all tools part and parcel to the Bali. Right? That's their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. But why is that? No, Bob, take your tinfoil head off a second. You're right. They're all from the same region. Right? The right. Asamites are pretty much border to border with the Bali, which is why they were elbow deep in each other. And that huge conflict erupted between them. And it was revealed what the Bali were and what they were doing. And everyone else tried to back the Asamites up. But everybody wants to forget that that clan had done that in the first place. But don't, don't misunderstand. Mesopotamian gods and what they did and how they accomplished it. And even highlighting this book, it's bloody rights. These are not, uh, this the shitter shall he <laughs> use. When old Suge Knight woke up and decided to wreck the shop because right. he wants it to be organized for that, that's the stuff he used. And this is just a taste. It's just an insight into the type of things that you would want to uh, use to represent that. Procure your necessary muffin repository by visiting us at utilitymuffinlabs.com, on Facebook at Utility Muffin Labs, on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM, or Utility Muffins, all one word, on Instagram at Utility Muffin Labs, one word. Support the labs on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and finally, adorn your human form with our t-shirts at tpublic.com slash users slash Utility Muffin Labs. Utility Muffin Labs, think homogenous. There's, uh, there's actually, uh, uh, there's a pretty good paragraph here that I think bears repeating because they actually talk about like, well, what's the difference between Durin Kai? What's the difference between that and like a pact, a demonic pact of dark, dark thaumaturgy? And they tell you there isn't a lot of difference. However, when uh, magic calls upon the Syriac and Phoenician gods, uh, modern, the, the, what modern infernalists know as demons, they're sort of simpering. I'll give you anything master, you know, uh, give me power and I'll give you what your demands are. However, the practitioner of the Duran Kai says, I've met your conditions. You owe me like you pay up. Like I did these rituals. You have to pay me. It's not, I'm, I'm not giving you whatever you want is I am, I am following a codified law. And because I've done this, you have to do it. And there's a defining theme here, right? In all of Magic, and I don't care what game you play, those who have the will to call upon power never beg. Right. It's not possible. They will do what they have to do to force their will upon their world, and it is granted because of that will. You know, they move the powers that be with their unbreakable force that they are. Those who beg... An infernalist is a weak creature because it needs something to make it powerful, and thus it is swallowed whole. It's kind of like uh, the concept of an athlete that does steroids, but yeah. on, a, on like a demonic level. You know, it's uh, taking instead of going through the natural course of of learning and and um, getting becoming more powerful organically, giving oneself to infernalism is like give me a quick path. I I don't want to do any of the work. I just want the quick path. And you do that at the sacrifice of your soul. Whereas with these other paths, these other um, concepts, that's not what you're doing. And that's, and that deserves a marked point because when you, in the other book and a blood, uh, blood magic secrets of thaumaturgy, they go at death and sort of a hermetic, uh, definitely a hermetic pathing of how thaumaturgy works. and might come about and they kind of hint 
at the amounts of blood that it would take. They they kind of they do hammer home. It takes a lot uh, to do it. However, in blood sacrifice, they have how you would build your own rituals or your own thaumaturgy path. Right. And in doing that, when you read it, you read just how much blood they're talking about goes into it because, oh, yeah. and that's it's, when it's successful. It's a, it's right? an improbably difficult process to, to get accomplished, but it's good. It's, it's good to see. Right. It's good to see it in print. It's good to see it. Um, cause everybody needed that. I think Right. to say something takes time is one thing to read that the book and let's, let's mention that too. When folks read the book, they're reading for boundaries. They're yeah. reading for the limits that make it stuff that we can all fight and get and obtain. Right. Where, where's the, where's the end of my sandbox? Right. Because if it's all reality breaking, then what's the point of the game? Right. And, and it's, I, it's really I, idea. I think it's very important too, you know, especially when you decide like, Hey, I want to get creative and I want to see, you know, what, what I can do with my creativity. If you have someone that's telling you, no, no, you can't do it, but they don't have a reason why just like, Oh, it's not in the rules. I can't, I can't do it. Cause it's not in the rules that can be limiting. And I think that, um, it, it's great to have something present to be like, okay, cool. If you want to do it, here's, here's what it takes. Here's the difficulty to get that accomplished. And, um, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's great to have available. And I think that that really brings value to this book. Um, you know, obviously it's probably something you could just Google search nowadays, but I, I think it would be a mistake to call this book simply a list of powers. Right. Because there's so much more going on in this book than just a simple list of powers. However, it's one of those things that I feel like it, for us as reviewers, it's difficult to impart that on a player, right? Like <laughs> our, our honeyed words can only do so much. What you're reading this book for is you're reading this book for the flair, for the, the flavor of the cultural approach to thaumaturgy, which is a form of magic that vampires utilize through will and through blood. And, and that's exactly how I feel. That point is such a profound point because this book is a setup. If you're meaning it's a tool. If right. I want to be a serpent of the light and know how voodoo would work in thaumaturgy, what paths to take, this is the book I need. Right. Not not for the powers alone, but because it's going to tell me the rituals, the customs, the gods, how this might look, how it might sound, how would I make my usage of thaumaturgy stand up from clan trimming. right and, and one thing about me as a as a player and as a storyteller or or dungeon master or game master i've always had like an aversion towards magic i really have because magic in most games is it's a like i, I have to do a formula and i have to figure out how many of this i have and how many of that i have and then it you know it was, it's it's always been like like ammunition and you know, I don't want to keep track of that. And just like magic in general, I just was always kind of turned off to. But thaumaturgy from a gameplay standpoint is so much different. It's so much more sort of fluid, but it also just has like, here's a set of powers, right? Here's like one, two, three, four, five. Here's what you need to do that. It's just like a discipline. But thaumaturgy is there's so much more going on with thaumaturgy and so much more that you can do. And it allows for creativity in a storytelling capacity right and they talk in here about like thaumaturgy can just be used as a foundation for your story right you right. want to play you want to play a game that's heavy in mysticism here you go here are some some ideas to to jumpstart that it, you know are you playing a character that is interested in mysticism but isn't necessarily a tremere <laughs> like here you go here are some some key indicators for you here's some key 
uh, focal points that you can use to kickstart a, a like mystically themed game and go on from there. You know, I, when you get tired of all the politics, maybe it's time you go uh, little do a little globe trotting. So, and that book is going to be king for it. Right. I mean, there's a lot. And, and also, this is one of those things where we're real limited on what we could talk about because we actually have hit every point in this book. Right. Already and explaining it without going through power to power. So that's to let you guys know that this book is focused on right. telling you the different cultural aspects of magic. Right. And uh, the, the, literally the specific powers and the tools that implement them. And let's face it. If you're the type of player that you want a complete idea you want a complete list of like all of the things that are existent in the world of darkness in the classic world of darkness obviously this is a book you're going to want to get so i feel like this is a book if you go you know what thaumaturgy magic blood magic no place in my game all right cool well you knew going in <laughs> this probably wouldn't right. be the book for you but if you if you want to like complete your quote unquote grimoire so you have an you have a knowledge of all of the different things, reference materials, etc. This is definitely a book that you should get. Um, I mean, I I picked up a copy of it um, on PDF, so you know, and in the PDF, uh, I, I not to like plug, but I picked up a copy of it on Drive Through RPG because I had an old, I don't know where it came from PDF, and it was just shit, and <laughs> like. I, it, like it was, it was fucking nearly impossible to read. And the one that I bought th from drive through, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's totally gorgeous. And little trivia, the original print of the, the actual paper book, if you look at the table of contents, uh, all the pages are X'd out. <laughs> it's just XX, XX. The, the PDF it fixed that. Right, Bob's looking, let me know. I, I, let me know. I'm almost positive. You're right. Yeah. I just, uh, should be like a table of contents at the beginning. I think he may have passed it already. I'm, I'm watching him yep. over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Unless we're in the year of 20. Yeah. That's page XX. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the PDF has that fixed. So that's awesome. But, um, so bottom line, let's wrap up the podcast and stop meandering through it. What are your, your breakdown opinions of this book, Bob? Simple breakdown opinion. If you are going to play an Asimite Sorcerer and you, you need to read this book to get an idea of how to represent that. If you want to play a Serpent of the Light, again, we talked about that. If you want to play anything specifically that is culturally different or to get an idea how to make a culture not represented. For instance, if you're Roma and you wanted to portray those, uh, those magics that the Roma might have um, that they're notorious for. They have a sample in here, a path called the Evil Eye. Now, right. it's still part of Duranki, but it gives you an exact example of how uh, the supplement book they made called Gypsy, uh, Gypsies, I believe they call it, has stuff like that mentioned in there that White Wolf made. It's an actual book. Uh, but uh, in there, they have some interesting powers as well. Uh, we'll eventually get to that book. But just to let you know, that's that's an example. Right. You might want to make your middle ground power because they don't like there's one for the Roma mentioned in the, the Gypsies book. But the uh, the one mentioned in the books after it is just it's Duranki. You won't see Evil Eye again. And you may want to look at both of those sets to meld your own version of it. Right. And and remember, you know, this is a revised book. So, you know, there may be some of these powers that are no longer available in a V20 setting. And also there may be some that are changed. But for overall flavor of the cultures, 
And, you know, it never hurts to have a book to go to your storyteller and be like, hey, I want to pursue getting this power. How can we make that a story element? Boom. Here you go. You know, here's a guide to get you there. Um, easy, easy. Do I think it's an essential to your collection? No, I personally do not think it's an essential, but for seven bucks on drive through RPG, like that's a no brainer, you know, it's, it's silly not to have it. If it's, you know, if you're trying to be a completionist and if you want a printed book, you could probably find it, you know, pretty cheap there or, you know, elsewhere. Um, but if you're, if you're Tremere, you need this book. Right, right. If you uh, go ahead. If you like Thaumaturgy, Tremere, and you're looking up, because you can only look up so many different people who have movement of the mind. Laurel right, Flames. Right, right, right. You're going to need an idea of what to pursue other powers out there. And then the storytellers are going to want cultural insight onto what objectives or difficulties or mentors and how to portray them. And it saves you research time. Right. Absolutely. I cannot tell you how much research time this book saves. And for seven bucks on Drive Through RPG, this book should be an easy throw in. Right. And again, we're not trying to push your drive through RPG. Like, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we have a stake, you know, if you buy it through our link, but we're not like go to drive there, you know, whatever, buy the book if you want to buy the book. But, you know, I, my personal experience being it was only $7 to get a brand new PDF. I was like, you know, that's a no brainer. Next week, we will be reviewing the guide to the Anarchs. Um, the guide to the Anarchs is a pretty thick book. And I'm not really sure what to expect from this podcast because um, it's been a while since I've cracked that book. Um, but like the cam guide and the Sabat guide before it, I'm sure we'll have tons to talk about. However relevant that information will be will be in a modern setting, that's that remains to be seen, right? We're like, you know, essentially canon wise, yeah, it's different. Yeah. But that book is gives you the gears right. for what is still it's still good to get an insight into what the Anarch thing is about. Because I feel the new one is a modern, it modernizes the canon. Right. But it kind of makes it, it makes it like a duh. You read the other one. You have an idea what to be an Anarch. So here's all the Anarch stuff now versus right. how do you be one? And and we're, we're also looking forward to the release of the V5 material, which will have a whole nother uh, Anarch book and a whole nother Camarilla book. So speaking of which, we might have a, have a bit of a meetup. Yeah. Con, right? yeah, we we are looking to we don't have any specific times, places or dates, but Bob and I officially will be at Gen Con this year in a uh, no official capacity like no one's, you know, giving us a booth. We're just going to be there and we are planning on having a meetup. So if you are interested in meeting up with us, chilling with us, shooting the shit, chewing the fat. We will be at Gen Con. We will have information in the coming weeks about when and where and what that involves. And everyone is welcome because it's a public place. It's a it's convention. <laughs> we can't stop you. We are. You can't stop. <laughs> we're, we're also going to be doing some LARPing, whatever, whatever LARPing we're going to be doing. We don't know specific information on that yet either, but we'll be playing. We we still would like to visit with some of the people who are running LARP at Gen Con, and we've run into a snafu. We've seen their current events, and I've already been contacted by one group who's running a game called Shattered San Francisco, mm-hmm. but they aren't listed. If you go LARP and, and search by vampires and hit that, you don't get them. So they're just not, they're not like part of the first wave? Right. Not, well, yeah, exactly. Not part of the first wave, but that, who knows, right? Right. So to sort of conquer Gen Con's little, however that gets sorted, um, if you were running a LARP and you would like us to know about it, 
because uh, we do talk to people, reach out to us. Right. Reach out to us. You know, I'd love to. We'd love to stop by. We'd love to say hi. We'd love to see uh, what you got to hear. How you doing? And uh, that would be something. I don't know. That excites me. Yeah. Uh, on one and just to reach out and have that touch. Definitely. And we have uh, we have a bunch of stuff um, that we're gonna be kind of ironing out in the next couple of weeks with you know different local LARP organizations and things like that. And I'm gonna be playing in my first ever like member of uh, of a, ga- a game this is a Saturday. Like I'm going to a LARP for the first time in I don't know how long. So <laughs> you can't see Nate. He looks like I can't believe I'm doing right. it. Right. Like, <laughs> like I'm coming out of retirement. Like it's crazy. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go participate in uh, one world by night game, uh, which we've only done once at a convention. And you know, that was a lot of fun. So um, I'm anticipating this being a lot of fun. Cause um, in all honesty, honesty, the one world by night people have been super, receptive they've been like you know everybody's been totally cool so um i'm hoping to have some nerd words ammunition um for uh for our nerd words uh hey guys we do another podcast called nerd words that comes out on sunday (laughs) so listen to that too if you if you don't know because that one's a lot more freeform right we're not doing reviews of books necessarily but we might but we do a lot of talk of vampire the masquerade we talk about our personal you know nerdy stuff bob go have you seen Infinity yet? No, I still haven't. Murphy? No, I haven't no, either. I so. haven't. I haven't. Yeah, and and we're sorry about that. But in the move, we we missed out um, on Infinity, and we're going to be talking about that once we see it. You know, we'll talk yeah, about that. I, but got to do it. Yeah. Uh, so far, I've had nothing spoiled. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, some next week, um, Guide to the Anarchs, and um, I, I guess that's it. Anything else? (laughs) Not at all. All Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. We hope you enjoy the podcast, and we will talk to you in a couple of days.